Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast. I am your boy, Cheats. As always, right now, the podcast is brought to you by, look, I got a new sign. <laughs> Shout out to everybody over at Stilo. All everything that they're doing. Shout out to Steve, man. It's a it's a it's a big the big situation over there, and I'm really really proud to be a part of what they're doing as well. Shout out as always to the Players Alliance as well for always repping and doing the things that they do. I've got a very special guest, very special guest in the building, Pilo himself, Josh Palacios in the building. Welcome to the mixtape, my man. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks, Chiefs. I appreciate you having me. I like your hat too. Shout out to the Netherlands. <laughs> you know the power. I, I got a rep. The people uh, don't know, but w, yeah, World Baseball Classic. Pilo indeed was in the building. We're gonna talk about yes, that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, but but you told me before we came on that you are right now in your hometown of Brooklyn, New York, the planet of Brooklyn, if you will. Uh-huh. So my yes, first my first question: Your top three Brooklyn legends. Any field, any field. I'm not just talking about music. I'm just talking about, they are they are legendary Dang. people in the planet of Brooklyn. Who are wow. your top three, top three right here. legends from from Brooklyn, New York? From Brooklyn, man. Uh, first two is gonna end up being rappers. I can I can know that already. <laughs> we gotta go, Biggie, the notorious Big. Number you, one, R. P. Okay. The late great. You know okay. the vibes. Jay-Z is definitely number two, easily okay. number two. Okay. But the Nets to Brooklyn um, went platinum about a thousand times, sold okay. a million records about a million times. You know that. And then number three, ah, this is no joke right here, number three. <laughs> I don't want to end up with three rappers. I can easily end up with three rappers. I'm trying to think. Ah, this, we go Stephon Marbury, number three. I Coney like Island. It. From Coney Island, like Starberry, it. holding like it, it down. That's hey, that's it. Those those are legendary threes. So we got oh, Big, Biggs, Hove, and Starberry. Uh-huh. Did you own a pair of Starberries when they I dropped? Did. I did. Like, I had like five players. It was fifteen dollars. My mom brought me to that store so fast. The Stephen Bear. Yeah. Oh, you know what's wild now is that the not not the basketball ones, but like the canvas ones. Uh-huh. Those were those. Nice. Were, they went crazy. They like the Bro. ones that were like the low top canvas uh-huh. libraries. You can't oh, you can't get those now. Nah, it was crazy. We went in that store and we bought every color they had. <laughs> it was a post rock of strawberries for years. <laughs> oh man. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna start with noun and then we're gonna go backwards and talk about your journey. But you've just completed I I mean on, on paper, you can tell me if this is accurate, but you've just completed on paper what has to be your most significant year in baseball your most significant season outfielder for the pittsburgh pirates yeah. uh in the lineup just you know every day you look basically you're in the lineup uh long long season i'm, I'm i think it was like over 90 something games uh yeah. out there in pittsburgh it's been a journey to get here when you look back oh, yeah. at this particular season how, how does this season and on all the the work you were able to do this year uh with the pirates how how, how do you reflect on that Oh, I mean, I had a lot of great, like, God, thank God, number one, I had a lot of great moments this year, and it's been a blessing. Um, I can't even remember all the great moments, like the walk-off home runs, game winners. Right. It's, right. That right there is a beautiful problem in itself. But I think the overall emotion that I get from this year is excitement really for the future. 
Like mm-hmm. uh, knowing the team we had there, knowing the camaraderie we had there, seeing the hints, especially at the end of the year of what we can do when everybody's clicking together and uh, just being a part of that makes me super excited for what's to come. And and I'm going to ask you, because you, you mentioned some, you had a walk-off bomb on your birthday. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, that right? was wild. That was, that was uh, wild, bro. <laughs> talk, talk, me through, talk, oh. talk me through that, though, because you're, you're turning, what, 28? And, it, and yeah. you, look, you got a lot going on, but you're obviously it's a daily situation. Uh, did, did you did you wake up that day and say, I'm going to do something special today? I got to oh, make it happen? On the whole day, I was screaming <laughs> birthday bomb. I was like, so we, we, hit, we have to be hitting the birthday bomb. Everybody gets their birthday bomb. I remember specifically G-Man Choi. He was like, hey, happy birthday, bro. And I was like, birthday bomb. I, and I was like, y'all want two of them. And he said, no, 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 we want one. But at the end of the game, walk off home run. And I was laughing with him. And then when I did it, he was looking at me. He's like, I told you. I he told you. It. That's crazy. <laughs> he called That's it. Crazy. So what shout out to special- G-Man Choi. He called that one. That's a special moment. And then I, I, I want to ask you about one other one before we really get into it. Because you had a robbery on Soto. <laughs> In the city connector. Yeah, yeah, those are fire too. Yeah, I gotta ask though, because it looked like you just overran the ball. Like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the joint and I'm like, wait a second. He didn't, he, didn't have to, he didn't have to scale the wall and reach back. You know what I'm saying? He scaled yeah. the wall and reached back. I was like, if he had just stopped, he would have been all okay. right. You're trying to reach back like one three, baby. Another New York legend. You know the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, nah, but crazy. I remember that play. The ball went up. Um, he hit that thing super high. And the first thing I'm thinking is like, yo, I have a chance to rob a home run here. Because, you know, every outfielder, that's your dream is yeah, to rob a home run. So I'm, I'm running over there. Boom, I'm booking it. And I see the ball. And it's like coming back a little angled. My thought was try to get to the wall. I hadn't played a lot of left field there yet. I didn't remember that the wall slanted. So I got to the wall thinking that the wall was straight. And then I was like, oh, shoot, the ball's coming back behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so like I see the ball coming behind me and I just jumped up and just did my best Odell impression and it worked out. It worked out, man. They had a couple things. Look, a couple things that worked out this season. And it's it's phenomenal to see. Um let, let, let's let's take it back. Let's take it back because the journey in itself has been amazing. And people will see where you are now and not fully understand the full picture. Talk to me about how you got introduced to the game, who put the ball in your hands, when did it happen? Uh, talk to me about the very beginning, the young Philo oh, picking up the uh-huh. ball and playing. Well, for me, I got introduced to the game super early. I think the first bat and ball I, I was, like, received as a gift was before any any time I can remember. I think I was maybe, like, barely one. My grandfather had bought me a bat and a baseball. And baseball is kind of like a family business. Um, my dad played uh, pro ball in the lower levels, thinking it was a low A. And his brother, my uncle, ended up making it to major leagues after signing for $5,000 on a free agent contract at like 21. Mm-hmm. So he defied the odds and did that. So uh, my love for the game goes probably back to times I can't even remember. I remember growing up in New York, um, playing baseball outside, playing baseball in my backyard, playing baseball like any time we could play it. Play in the living room when my parents are eating, we're like hitting balls and they're falling the food. They just wipe it off and throw it back. And then um, I'll admit I'm no longer a Yankee fan, but I grew up a Yankee fan in those early years. <laughs> those early years were like bliss. You can, you, can, you can admit to your fandom if you got a sweet nah, spot. Nah, I, I ain't a Yankee fan no more, spot. man. 
Once they started striking me out, I was like, nah, it's that's out the it, window, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We enemies yeah. now. Right. I get but, um, it. But those it. early years watching the Yankees and being inside and watching Derrick Jeter, Mariano, and Paul O'Neill and all those dudes, all that kind of helped foster my love for baseball. And then my household was just a baseball household as well. And, to, and, and growing up, you grew up in Brooklyn? Yeah, grew up in Brooklyn. And, uh, so yep. you just mentioned it. Starberry, and I can name every point guard from 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 <laughs> – from Starberry on down. We can name all the New York uh-huh. City point guards. How look, how did how did baseball? Because I know you said it was in the family, but if you're in Brooklyn, I'm sure a lot of people are out in the park playing baseball. Uh-huh. I mean basketball. How did oh, how yeah. did baseball be the thing that you gravitated to? I'm gonna keep it well, I'll keep it hundred with you. I had a love for baseball, but I was just way better at baseball than I was at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, me and my brother, me and my brother <laughs> love basketball, man. Everybody's playing like in the summers, like it's you play baseball, in it, a, but no, you play basketball and the playgrounds play basketball. Yeah. You pull up to your school, everywhere is basketball. Everybody's yeah. dribbling basketballs. I wanted to be a baller, I just didn't have the talent to do it. <laughs> Which, so there's got to be a moment, right? That people are like, yo, yo. Josh is a baseball player. <laughs> let let him go right because they're like like you go you're gonna try to be out there in the park. They be like nah, Josh. Like you stick yeah. to the what what age group? What, what age was it? When oh no, nah, it was it was, it was early on. It was early on. I was I was <laughs> I was like Dennis Rodman out there. I was violent. I was knocking everybody over. <laughs> I always had the skill for baseball, basketball. Like I I was on a good team here. We played. We balled out. But um, I always knew I was gonna play baseball. But I'm not gonna lie, I had a lot of fun playing basketball. And it's easy to get caught up in the culture here. But you gotta be like six foot four. Your yeah. hands just gotta be crazy. There's a there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of it's things that gotta place. go right there. Yeah, it's situation. different. It's different. So how was it playing baseball in those years? Playing baseball in Brooklyn, like, did you, were you able to to find teams, find communities, or was it a challenge? Did you have to go outside of Brooklyn? How how was the Kind of, I, I know you got drafted out of high school the first uh-huh. time, but but how was it playing from those like middle school to high school ages in Brooklyn? Did, did it uh, from from the first off the jump in, in baseball in Brooklyn back in the day, early nineties two thousand? It was really easy to get into. Okay. Shout out the Brooklyn Bonnies um, Youth Service it was two cornerstones in the baseball organization uh, field, especially in Brooklyn. And we used to go right over to Parade Grounds League, which is like ten minutes from my house. The Brooklyn Bodies had a team for each age, all the way up to like twenty. So we had like a we had a little league team, like Sandlot Little Baseball there, and then you went into um six U, seven U, eight U, nine U, ten U. So it wasn't really hard to um play baseball at that time. It was super cheap, like it cost barely anything. Anybody could afford it. So it was kids from all over Brooklyn playing baseball in the neighborhood, and then my dad ended up helping out coaching, and um it was easy to get into. We had a great team. I had a lot of guys, great camaraderie, and um, this this is back in the day. Unfortunately, youth service is not not around anymore, and the bodies mm. are still around, but they recently got moved out of their headquarters, so mm. it's still up in the air. But um, yeah, then growing up, when I got to about middle school, high school age, I started playing for this team called the Sale Grays. Mm. Um, it's just acronyms for Student Athlete Youth Organization, and it was the same thing. All kids from Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, we all got together, played on a good team. It was reasonably cheap. We went to a couple of tournaments here and there. Couldn't afford perfect game. Perfect game was too expensive for okay. our teams to go there. But right. we play in the tournaments we could play in, in the Beast of East tournaments, West Virginia and all that. And um, we had a great coaching staff. Everybody was volunteer. Like, nobody got paid. And they were just doing it, just trying to help out young men and for the love of the game and trying to help their communities. 
Now, when you played, especially on those teams early on, were there? <clears throat> did you play with a lot of other minorities? Did you play with black and brown kids, Latino kids, or or was it a situation where uh, it wasn't like you you shake your head? So I'm assuming you played, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Our teams was like in New York City, especially in the league we was playing in. Like mm. every team would have usually you have like just the, there's you play in like down south in those tournaments. They got one black kid. It was like the reverse. Yeah. We have yeah. like the one two white kids on our team. And um, we welcomed them all. We we always right, welcomed them. Right, right. It was they was always nasty. Always welcomed them. But it was just kind of the demographic of the areas that we were in. So um, it was mostly black and Latino players. Um, one thing I will say though is early on we had a, most of my team was black. And then as I got to maybe like 13, 14, 15, 16, then it started becoming more Latin, less mm-hmm. black, and guys started playing other sports. We'll get into that later. But yeah, it was. It was a pretty good, like, for me, it was a demographic that was easy for me. I understood everybody. We always had a couple kids, mostly, like, different, couple different nationalities, a couple different white kids or Irish kids on the team, but um, mostly black and Latino. So when you look at that now, <laughs> like, when you look at that today, like, do you think that helped, like, like playing, obviously growing up in Brooklyn's a d- diverse situation anyway, but do you think it helped you? playing with, uh, uh, you know, people of color and, and different uh, situations? Because I know now you run into people all the time that may have never played until they mm-hmm. got to the pros. They may have never <laughs> played with a lot of Latin players or black players or players that didn't even look and come from their background. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helped. I mean, my journey too, going to different places in college helped. Being in Brooklyn, it being very diverse had helped. And um, it was a little more of a culture shock when I went to college for the first time because mm. it was kind of the reverse of what I was dealing with. And um, for a lot of guys, I mean, it was a blessing for me because I got to play with just guys that I grew up around. Like a lot of minority guys I talked to in the major leagues, they tell me their stories like, man, I never, like most of my team, I was probably the only black kid, the only Spanish kid on my team growing up. Right. I was like, wow, like that's crazy to think that there's so many of us out there playing ball and, and that's the situation. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So you you mentioned it a little bit. Talk to me. Then you get to high school, and mm-hmm. and you wreck shop. Let's just call it what it is. You handled <laughs> you handled your business. But yeah, you it, it, business it took a little school. while to get there though. That first year, so the first year I went to Severian, I got cut from JV, and that hurt because I always played up. Yeah, I didn't so know I always that. played I didn't up. So yeah, this you ain't gonna find this. This is a secret sauce. Right here. You know, they don't got this all online. <laughs> but like I always played a year above my age. So all my friends and on my team were always a year older than me. So when I got to the school of Severian, there was a good amount of guys from my team that were playing at Severian and they was all on JV because they was older. So when I when I went there originally, I got cut from JV off the rip, and I was like, man, this sucks. Like I want to play with my boys. Right. <laughs> this, hey, is, this, this is everything new, I dreamed of. a whole new situation right here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it sucks. Bro, like, I was always one of the better guys in my league, but I just didn't cut it. It was high school baseball. And then the next year, my sophomore year, my cousin was on varsity and all my boys on varsity. I'm on, I got cut from varsity, and I went to JV. So those things drove me. I was like, yo, I will never want to go through this process ever again. Ever again. Man, I, I yeah. did not know that. I did not yeah. know. So then, so you hit varsity junior year? Uh, yeah, junior year is my first year in varsity. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Now, uh, I don't want to bring up painful memories. But, that, <laughs> but no, no, no. But that's so- I can only imagine that sophomore year, you said your cousin and all your people is on varsity? 
Yeah, yeah all yeah, my boys yeah. on varsity, everybody, my cousin, everybody's there. <laughs> Were they like looking at you like, what's going on here? What, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, they was like, yo, you got you got to keep pushing. You got to get better. Cause, I mean, <laughs> just is what it is. I mean, me personally at the time, I thought I could make the team. Like, I thought right. I had what enough to make a team. But one statement I got from my mom, it was like, no, no, no. We're not here just to be good. And then especially the situation that we, we come from, we have to be the best or one of the best in everything we do. So if it's not obvious, if it's not blatantly obvious that you should be on that team, then you can't be mad that you make that team. You just got to simply get better. Wow. That's that's a life lesson, though. That's a, oh, that's that's a fact. A, Take that's that amazing. Today. And, then, uh-huh. and, then, and then by your senior year, you're what, like, like state player of the year? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was New York City Player of the Year. I yeah, mean, that's they don't, crazy. They don't give State Player of the Year yeah, to guys yeah. in New York City. That's another story, though. But okay. yeah, New York City Player that's of the Year. Hard. We dominate. <laughs> We're going off the rails. We're going off the rails. But oh, New York but... City Player of the Year. So you would yes. get this right, though. I want because this is. Crazy. I was Athlete of the Year too, as well. Athlete of the Year, in New York City. So you went from cut JV to Athlete of the Year, in New York City. That's got to yes. be, and drafted. Yes, but you were like, I'm not. I'm not trying to do that right now. What? what <laughs> talk to talk to me about your first draft story because oh, you got drafted so the, twice. So the first experience with that draft story is I'm coming out of high school. I remember me and my parents and everybody we came through, and um, I did a little summer circuit and we balanced out like where we thought we'd be at around everybody else. Who's like, look, if we're not going to go in the top ten rounds, we won't take it. We'll go to oh. college and we'll take our chance in college. I got the call in the eleventh round from like seven teams. Oh wow! And after I had told him that, like, hey, I'm not going to do anything but top 10, I got that call. And I ended up turning it down. I stuck to my word. I said, hey, it's outside of the 10th round. I'm not going to take it. Okay. So that year, I got drafted, but technically didn't get drafted. And then the next year in um, San Jack, that was when I went in the 33rd round or 31st round with the Reds. And I ended okay. up turning that one down, too. So you got drafted three times. Yeah, technically, I got, yeah. I got technically I got the call four times, and I accepted the fourth call. Yeah, it was – I wouldn't wish that on nobody else, though, man. Trying to go so, through that draft four times, that was stress. That was real so, stress right there. So so tell me how you ended up. Because, yeah, you were New York City Athlete of the Year. Then you yes. end up at the JUCO. I mean, I, you went through the draft process the first time, but you end yeah, up at so the JUCO. First, first, I actually went to Stony Brook. This is also undi- like a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting real scoop here, people. Yeah, you're getting the real scoop of the story. So um, I was with Sayo. The coaches were doing the best they can. Unfortunately, there's a stigma on New York City athletes. Unfortunately, you have one or two guys that go out and things don't work out, and they just put a notion on everybody in New York City. And um, it used to drive me crazy. I'm not even gonna lie. At a point, I was ready to go to Florida and be like, "Man, I want to get rid of this. I want to go to Florida and just take the easy route in Florida." My mom was like, "Look, you complain about all these things in New York City, these stigmas, them not having processes, nobody coming down here, and you're going to leave and add to that. She was like, if you really have a problem with it, you'll stay in New York City, you'll do it in New York City, you'll make it out of here and create an avenue for everybody else. So I was like, damn, mom's challenged me again. So all right, yeah, yeah, this, like, is a, this is a pattern. Let's see the pattern. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you know what? My, my mom is right. So I tried to do it through New York City, and I ended up getting uh, my first and only real scholarship was from uh, – Stony Brook University around like November in my senior year. I had a lot of JUCO scholarships. I had some lower D1 scholarships. That was kind of like my first mid-major. I got to ask though, why do you, like, you think it is the stigma? Because you're crushing it by your senior year. Like you don't I'm, get no 
It was crazy. I was doing on? everything I had to do. Right. I went to uh, I went to East Coast Pro. I was able to crack that roster. I, yeah. I, I did pretty good there. And all my summer leagues, I dominated. Yeah. My grades were on point. I was in clearing house, all that. Everything was eligible. Everything was good to go. There was no problems. You just I had think no problems it was just New York City. That's, that's the only thing we could think of. There was a right. lot of schools that were interested, but wouldn't offer. Like, okay. we're all okay. interested, but we're not going to give you an offer. And it was always like, Crazy. we'll call you next week, and we'll call you next week. And Stony Brook was the first team to actually really give me that offer and I ended up going there. But I only I only spent the semester there and ended up transferring to Juker after. Not because of grades or anything like that. It just – the situation there, baseball-wise, I felt like I wanted – I had that – when I went to Stony Brook, there was one specific moment where a scout came up to me and was like, man, you did great in high school. If only you could have been playing against, like, the down south competition then we could have properly evaluated you and i kept getting that from scouts and it just drove me crazy and i was like, you know what i call my coach so i'm at stony brook i mean i'm at stony brook right now but what's like what's the best pitching conference we could find down south like i need to go prove myself and that was kind of what led to my decision to go to san jack in uh okay. houston texas and then and it was how many years at san jack you made two uh spent two yeah two seasons there at san jack and then it was auburn yeah, then Auburn University after that. How, so, so St. Jack, obviously, you did your thing, but SEC, ba <laughs> SEC baseball is a whole. Did you know what you were getting into when you were like, this is SEC baseball? Because it's, it's a whole different it's, thing. Yeah, it's a different thing. I'm going to keep it 100. The competition in Juco was low-key. Pitching-wise, was low-key yeah. more difficult than when I yeah, got it's to the SEC. Well, it's, it's a tough situation. Yeah. But when I got to the SEC – I didn't really know much about the SEC, college football, college baseball, anything. I just would watch the college World Series on TV right, and be like, right. that's sick. These schools look cool. I want to go to those schools. But I didn't know about the culture and the atmosphere and everybody yeah. having their song. So um, that was new. When I did the visit at Auburn, I went there okay. and I saw the football game. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go here. I was just saying, because that's, that's for, you know, Auburn, Alabama – Especially at that time, is mad yeah. different from Brooklyn, New York. Like, Way how different. did how did you adjust? Um, plus I stood inside the university bounds. That was number one. <laughs> <laughs> and then number two, number two was. They have a lot of great. There's a lot of great people in Auburn, and there's a lot of great people in Alabama. Um, I've met a lot of great people, but I was just I didn't know much, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna stick to what I know right here in the university. I said. Like, I didn't want to explore. I was a little nervous, but it turned out to be great. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> it was. I got the little adjustment at um, San Jack when I was down there in Texas. I got to learn about the Southern culture, Southern hospitality, um, like how just how they go about their way of life, like the suburban lifestyle. And I kind of like evolved into that. And then going to Auburn, it wasn't as bad because I was already used to the suburban lifestyle, understood the culture, and I started getting an understanding for the people there. So it made it easier for me to connect with everybody and and. Uh, <laughs> growing up, growing up in New York, you meet a lot of people. You got to be able to evolve right. and, and connect. So and you you come back home and everybody's like, Auburn, you like your Frank Thomas went there. That's the only like, <laughs> yo, you heard of Frank Thomas, right? This, so when I went, yo, I, I'm going to Auburn. Everybody was like, is that the school camp Newton went to? Like, yeah, that's the right there. there that's you go. that's I the got one. It. That's the one. Yeah, yeah that's dope. So then, I, and then look, we get to all of this. Um, I would say up until this point, because this is still you know, right before we get to the, the the pro ball level of this. If you were looking back, especially in those years, trials and tribulations, like you were talking about through high school, transferring a couple times, what would you say, like, the biggest lesson you learned about, like, 
not even on the field stuff, but just like what was the biggest lessons you were learning about making your adjustments off the field that translated to you playing the best you could play? Oof, moving to so many different schools and so many different places, I realized the connections that you have with the guys on the team. Number one, how much more we had in common than we had that was different. Like me being from New York and going to Houston, I mean, people from California, from North Dakota, from all over the place, Canada. And there's a lot that we have in common and a lot that we, especially over the game of baseball that we love. And then number two is the connections with these guys that I had around me and all these teams that I was going to. Those things fostered like just better atmosphere on the on the field, more chemistry. I learned more from those guys. And it's easy when you go to a new place to kind of just be like, do just do your own thing, stick mm-hmm. away from everybody and not really connect with the team, especially if you know you're going to be there for a year or maybe two years. But um, I got a lot of value from just learning from other people's experience, how they grew up, the situations they've been in and the things that they learned along the way and trying to put that on and add that to my resume. So I don't have to maybe go through some of the tr- troubles that they went to through or have to go through some of the experiences to gain that knowledge. What was the biggest adjustment on the field you had to make uh, to get to this point? So we're, we're before like going to pro ball, but from, you know, being for lack of a better term, being the man in New York City to, to, <laughs> to Juco, to Auburn. Did you have to make any adjustments on the field to really, uh, you know, change kind of how you performed? Yeah. Um, biggest adjustment on the field was velocity. Um, New York City is real spread out. It's the only problem we have here. We have good talent, but it's a lot of spread out. So you see a guy throwing 93, you may see some 60s, 70s, 80s, guy throwing 90. When I went down to Juco, it was like an eye-opener, especially at San Jack. We had about four or five guys that was throwing over 97 miles per hour. We had a plethora of guys throwing over 90 miles per hour. And there was two dudes that was pumping 100 miles per hour. So I was like, oh, shoot. When I showed up, it was like, a lot more intense. You got to be a lot more focused in in, uh, in each game and the scrimmages. And I had to cut down and make some adjustments, just eliminate extra movements from my swing in mm. order to be able to catch up to that velocity. Because in high school, you know, you can get away with a lot of things. You got extra movements. The ball's moving slower. The curveballs aren't that sharp. Sure. The changes aren't that sharp. But when I got to San Jack, that's when I realized, like, oh, shoot, I need to start cutting out all these extra things that I'm doing. Because when you try to catch up to 95, it ain't no joke. Dang you telling the truth now four look four draft calls later <laughs> four draft calls later you are now drafted you are now a major league baseball player in that sense a professional baseball player what was the biggest adjustment from you know the previous like high school college and so forth a lot of folks say schedule and work ethic but like What's the biggest adjustment when you hit pro ball? What did you notice like immediately? Oof. The biggest adjustment, um, there's a few of them. Number one, the athletes. Even in, I went to the GCL to start. Mm-hmm. The guys were extremely athletic. You got all these dudes coming from all these Latin countries and the high school picks from America. Yeah. That's 17 throwing 96, mm-hmm. running six ones, hitting bombs. That was number one. Number two was trying to physically stay healthy. It was like the first time you you don't have any school. So you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. There's no school. <laughs> we can just play baseball. Like as an athlete, you know, finally, I ain't got to do this. Um, school's important, though. School's great. It's very important. But it was like the first time I was like, oh, I can fully focus on my career. But then with that brings the long days. Like first thing you do is you get into the park at 6 a.m. And you're not playing a game till 1 p.m. And then after the game, you might have to work out. You don't get back to like 6. So those long days, the high, they're high out there. 
you're working out every day and there's no days off. I had to really learn how to try to get my body every single day to get in shape and not so much in shape, but like kind of bounce back from the beating that was put on every single day. No, I've, I've, I talked to so many players uh, that, that had a similar path that, that you did. The first thing they would say is like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily like school, but that schedule of yes. school really helped like them stay on point. They was like, man, I, I was talking to people that be drafted and be like, man, I got, yeah, I can play video games for three hours. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Your like, like, you first, first couple of weeks, you're like, yo, I ain't got to be nowhere. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yo, well, the first couple of weeks, I think the Blue Jays did a good job of like introducing us to Pro Bowl because like you do have a bunch of free, you have it feels yeah. like you got ample free time. Now you don't have to do homework. There's no study hall. There's no exactly. class. There's no none of that. It felt like ample free time. But they filled all that, like with the Blue Jays, they filled a lot of that up with like classes, like nutrition classes. Um, we One thing that was great was the mental skills classes that we had. So we started getting introduction to like mental skills and sports psychology and stuff like that. Um, they had all different like introductory classes to professional baseball, all these different things. And it kept us there for a long time, but it kind of gave us some knowledge on what we was getting into. When was the first moment that it hit you? Well, I don't know if it was whether you saw somebody in the workout facility or, you know, you're, you're, you know, doing BP and somebody walks around. Like, when was the first moment that hit you? I was like, yo, I'm, I'm in the pros. Like, this is yeah. not, this is not anything like I've ever seen before. Who, who, what was the first time that it's like the light bulb went off and like, it really became real. Um, the first time I there was two situations. The first moment that it really became real is like, I think it's my third day there. I show up and Chris Carabello's um, in rehab and so is Troy Tulewiski. And I sit down at a table and Troy Tulewiski's like sitting right across over there. And I'm like eating and I keep looking at him like, yo, that's Troy Tulewiski. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I guess I'm making it weird because I keep looking at him. And Chris Caraballo <laughs> Carabello looks, turns around and goes, yo, kid, he's a human being. You can say hi if you want to. <laughs> And I was like, oh, shoot, uh, what's up, Mr. Tulewiski? But, uh, <laughs> but it was pretty cool because Chris actually took me under his wing for the time as a rehab because I was in rehab with him, and he taught me a whole bunch of things about Pro Bowl and all that. That was kind of my first moment. And then the real first moment, like, on the field was, like, two weeks into the GCL. I'm hitting, like, 168. I can't buy a hit. <laughs> These guys are blowing 100 past me. Then they got 100 flying by my head, and they're dicing me up with a nice curveball. I didn't know what was going on, and there was no days off, no breaks. And I was like, what the heck did I get myself into? I'm not going to lie. I had a Jeter moment where I was like, you know, maybe I should give this signing bonus back. Right, I don't know if, <laughs> right, right. I don't know if this thing's going to work out anymore. That's hilarious. That was the first time like, I really failed, failed consistently for a little while. Oh, that's crazy. No, that's, uh, uh, that's funny, though, that you mentioned. Both of those are real. Like, people don't I, – I, you know, I've never played at the levels that y'all are talking about. And so I talk to folks and they'll be like, yo, you think, especially if you don't play that many games, they'll be like, yo, you think you go like, you know, oh, for two or three games, you got it bad. They were like, try going like, try going like, oh, for 32. Oh, for 32. oh yeah. Oh, and, and, oh and, you know, you sit there starting to think like, yo, is this, what is going yo, on it's, here? It's, I feel that. The first two weeks I'm hitting 190. <laughs> I never hit 190 in my life. I'm like, what is going on? And there's no break. It's not like college. Right. You get two right. days to figure it out. It's like, no, no, no. You got to figure it out tomorrow, <laughs> homie. You got another five at-bats and five at-bats more. <laughs> that was different. But, but, that was different. But you've also made the journey to now, like, 
some of the, the the highest level that you can possibly get in the game. And obviously, like you're saying, playing, especially this last season in Pittsburgh, but, but, you know, making, making the situation. Uh, I got two parts question. Cause I, one is going to be very similar to, to your, your introduction to, to the major league, you know, to the pros, but one, <laughs> before I get there, did you even know what the rule five draft was? <laughs> No, nah, like, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I like, I, you know, I feel like I feel like I'm a knowledgeable baseball fan. I follow the game closely. Yeah. It took and a while then, for me to figure it out. Right, I was like, my man's. Uh, I can't. I, I can't remember. I think it was um, uh, Samad Taylor mm-hmm. over at the at the Royals. Now that's my guy, guy. Samad. Yeah. Samad. He's, he's he's the first. He's the first pro that ever came on the mixtape. He's the oh, first. Really? Yeah, he gave me an interview. And we were wow. talking about it, and I think we we're and, and that's what I had to learn a little bit about Rule Five and what that meant and so forth. So when they told you, like, "Yo, you're a Rule," you know what I mean? You're going to be going over to Pittsburgh or Rule Five. Did you know? Like, did you know what that meant? Well, I, I, at this point, I knew I figured it out okay. with Double A, but I didn't understand. <laughs> I had no clue what the minor league Rule Five like meant. I only knew the major league Rule Five, so I got minor league Rule Five to pit, and I was like, "What?" Like I was so confused. Like what I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know how. Like where do I go? Do I go to Triple A or Double A? What's the rules? I was just hoping I went major league rule five. But when he told me that, I was like, oh, it's lit. And he was just like, yeah. Um, but like it's the minor league rule five. And I was like, all right, all right. And then he was trying to break it down to me, and I was like, you know what? Let me just hit. I'm just gonna try to hit my way out of this. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I yeah. I got a place to play. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We get we got an affiliate. We'll be all right. Oh man. Well, so going in so. You you've had it, I know this season wasn't your like debut debut, but but going into this season, it had to feel a little bit like I mean you had it you feel like you had a shot making the roster and doing those things. Uh, I mean, how how was getting put in that situation? How was even the start of this season? Did you was your attitude and your approach different this year than previous years? Oh yeah, the the main thing that I changed this year was like when I was going to season, like I didn't get an invite to big league camp. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was ended up being the World Baseball Classic, and I didn't go to any big league camp games. I, yep. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> so um, yeah, I went over there. I didn't even get uh, like a at bat in Major League Spring Training. I was there for oh, so wow. short, and I was in Miley camp. So I thought because of Miley Rule Five Draft, I got drafted yeah. for AAA. I thought I had to go to AAA, but okay. um, I got approached, and they told me that hey. You're going to double A, and I was they confused me even more because I was like, all right, I don't even know. <laughs> I was lost. So, but my main process this year was like, look, I'm going to control only what I can control, and that's trying to get better every single day. And each day, I'm going to reflect back on it and figure out what I could do the next day to subtract something that I don't need to do or add something that could make me a better player. So that was mm-hmm. all I was focused on. I just let go of like, I didn't care about where I was at. Didn't care about if I was going to show or if I was in AAA all year just trying to get better every single day and be a better player at the end of the year. Well, one of the things you mentioned it, and I do want to bring it up. One of the things that you talked about, um, about this off season that was different was the, was the WBC, the world baseball classic. You got to play for the Netherlands. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know, I got, I got got too, I got too many, too many WBC hats for real. So how does, how does, (laughs) how does a kid from Brooklyn, 
whose dad is Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> <laughs> and your mother, and your mother how did you was like, I got to get down with the Netherlands? How did this happen? <laughs> All right. So my mom was born in Curacao and yep. uh, my dad's Puerto Rican. His dad was born in Puerto Rico. But every year we'd watch the World Baseball Classic and we watched the Puerto Rican games and my mom would put on the Netherlands games. And my dad would be rooting for Puerto Rico. My mom would be rooting for the Netherlands. So we grew up watching them both all the okay. way through. And then um, we talked to Hensley Mullins like a year and a half earlier. And he was like, hey, we're interested to have you on the team, me and my brother. So um, it was one of the first teams that reached out to us. Me and my brother like, hey, like they showed interest. And we talked to them. And we was like, hey, we would love to play for Team Netherlands. And that's how I rolled out. But my mom was born over there. Everybody was so confused because I don't speak I'm, any I'm Dutch. <laughs> yeah, I don't speak any Dutch. Like, yeah, it's... Oh. But that shout out to the boys at Island Curacao doing things over there too. <laughs> how, how was the experience? How was the WBC experience for you and your family? It was amazing. It was amazing. Number one, we went to Taiwan, went to a part of the earth I've never been to before. Okay. The team was amazing. Um, unfortunately, we came up short, but um, I got a lot of great experiences. The camaraderie there was second to none. And I got to learn from guys like Didi Gregorius, um, Anderson Simmons. Um, I spending. I was there with them in the World Baseball Classic spring training on the daily, and then Scope came through, and Bogarts came mm-hmm. through, and Profar, and I was just trying to pick the knowledge that I could from these dudes, and they were dropping little gems here and there, and just try to stick around them, and I think I learned a lot. That's that's fantastic. Well, I mean, whatever you learned, it really paid off because this season, I mean, again, this season is in in many ways what what you've been working for through all the stuff that. That that we've been talking about culminates not 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 the end of the line by any stretch of the imagination, uh-huh. but really a, a a good start at the beginning of what I, what you know is something that's really exciting in regards to where you are in your career. I do laugh because we were both talking uh, when we were talking we were talking about Brooklyn. We were both talking about music guys. You hear this with music guys all the time, where it's like you work all your life to become the best new artist. <laughs> Right, he's like, yep. yo, you you got nominated for best new artist. He's like, yo, I've been rapping for thirty years, and now I'm the best new artist. So That's a you, fact. You've been That's playing, a fact. You played your whole life, and now you know what I mean. Twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Everybody's yes. starting to le- learn the name and learn what 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 you can do. What do you look yep. forward to now, and uh, professionally as you move forward? Um, number one, look forward to winning. Um, I think we got a great core. I would love to experience. We had some time this year. We were in first place and we were in the hunt. And um, for everybody that's watching, that's the that's the highest level. Like that's the experience of baseball that you want to be on a winning team in the hunt where every play, everything you do matters. That's definitely number one. Then number two, just um, being able to like enjoying some success this year, making some adjustments, and getting a, the chance to play every single day. That's also the dream. So I really look forward to winning with my boys out there on that field and. Uh, just God willing, be jumping up and down at the end of the season next year. Let's switch gears a little bit. This is fantastic. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. We already talked a little bit about your musical taste, but I do know, <laughs> I do know you said, because uh, you were mic'd up at last year's uh, Don't Blink Home Run Derby for uh-huh. the Players Alliance in the Caribbean, and you made sure that the DJ was playing Pop Smoke. You know the vibes, good bow. <laughs> the smoke well, would never clear. What's in the playlist? What's in the playlist right now? Oh man, um, Pop Smoke is always in the playlist. Um, you got Sleepy Hollow, who's another up and coming Brooklyn artist. Um, shout out to Sleepy. Uh, Jay Z's always in the playlist. Just recently went to his uh, exhibition over here at the Brooklyn Library. That was fire. So I'm listening to a whole bunch of, of yeah. yeah, the Book of Hove. Um, been listening to a lot of old Hove now too. 
Um, what else we got? We got a Cray in the playlist. Um, it's right now. It's not that many guys that I love out, but he's, <laughs> so or then J Cole always in the playlist. That's okay. always in the playlist. Okay. Kendrick Lamar, he's got a lot of old heat, a lot of fire. He got some new heat too, but it's, uh, he doesn't drop as much. Those are main. Those are the main guys in the playlist. There, I'm trying to think. If there's anybody else, there's a lot of New York City, just one like some drill rap here and there. A lot of guys in there. But <laughs> you got K Flock, they got Busy Bang, yeah, there's a whole bunch yeah. of them in there. Okay. You know, those okay. are the main, those are the main guys in the playlist. Now, um if you are not playing base, like you all season right now, you're at home, not playing baseball. Uh what what is what is the day? What is a day with Pilo? What, what are you? Where are we gonna find you? What are you gonna be doing if you have a day where you're not thinking about what's happening on the field and you're and you're back? Home? No training. There's no training. No training. No training. All you're right. back home. What? 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 what where? Where, where do Pilo's people find like, you? Where, where, where do people right. find you? So my day would be. There's a chance you'll find me in Soho somewhere shopping for some new clothes. <laughs> me and the boys in Soho shopping for some new clothes, looking for some new drip. Um, okay. We'll be over here in Brooklyn. Shout out Vinny Styles. Um, <laughs> also shopping for some new drip. For 100%, you're going to find me at a fire pizza spot. Anywhere okay. in the city, you're going to okay. find me at Who's a fire got the pizza best? spot. Who's got the best? Who got the best? That's a tough one. My favorite spot over to, here I'm is... I'm trying to get you in trouble. Is what's happening. I'm setting exactly you up. Exactly what you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly so, what I'm setting you up. It, Best chicken roll and chicken and spaghetti, smiling pizzeria in my neighborhood. Um, Luigi Pizza is also in my neighborhood, one of the top ones. Um, I haven't been to Lucali. I heard a lot of good things about Lucali. Uh, I've been to a lot of places, though. LMB Spumoni got the best square. Like, I go on for days. It's going to turn this to advertisement. No, no, no. It's good. We stop right there. I will say, I will give you this one. This is a good one. You can only wear one pair of kicks for the rest of your life. What do you wear? One pair of kicks for the rest of my life. Oh, that's crazy. Um, that's a very good one. It's gonna be some Jordan ones. I gotta figure out which color though. It's gotta be a color that could go with a lot of different things. Right, right. Um, shoot, yeah, can't wear red for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> in certain, you know what? No, no, not in certain settings, not at all. Yeah, in certain settings, we can't yeah, do that. You can't do that um, for the rest of your life. I'm trying to think though that it's gonna be a Jordan one. I might just go with the Jordan One Chicago's and just have to wear a bunch of black with the red kicks. Yeah, you'll be all right. I love you'll be all right. I love the Jordan One Chicago's, man. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, who were your guys growing up? Who were your top three baseball players that that was on your on your wall on your list? You were checking their game. Who was the guys that you you loved to see, watch, emulate? All right. So number one is gonna be Derek Jeter. I think that's the answer mm-hmm. for almost every New York City kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeter growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was. Have you, have you met easy. Jeter? No, I haven't met Jeter. Okay. I look forward okay. to meeting Jeter, though. Nah, That'd Jeter's like Jeter's like a ghost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm talking to a lot of. <laughs> I'm talking to a lot of pro players. I'm talking to a lot of pro players. I'm telling you, we have you, to make it. We have to make it some playoffs and dominate yeah, and end up on that on that Fox show. Very, it's a very unique situation. I've got oh, stories. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. But I look. It's not that I'm close to it at all. I was. Yo, I, I will tell you this too. Uh, before we go further, uh, this year I was able to go to the All Star Game for, in Seattle for that for that you know uh-huh. festivities. There were more Jeter jerseys in the 2023 wow. All Star Game <laughs> than there were players playing in the game. Oh man, that's crazy. That's crazy when because they're in Seattle, like they're in Seattle. Whoa. So you expect Griffey, you expect Ichiro, yes. right? Yep. But it was Griffey. The biggest stars at the 2023 All Star Game were Kid Griffey Jr., Ichiro. 
um, Shohei Otani and Derek Jeter. <laughs> That's nuts. Dude hasn't uh, played in years. They steal his jerseys everywhere. No, he's, can't, a, can't, he's a baseball can't, icon. Can't get there. Can't get there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's a baseball icon. So we got we got Jeter in there. Um, Ken Griffey was one of my favorites. Unfortunately, like when I was a little older, he was hurt a lot. So I didn't get to experience a lot of that. Um, Robinson Cano in New York City, too, as a Yankee. That's different. Yeah, was amazing. Different. Yeah, that was amazing to watch. So those would have been like the three that was always following on the come up. Um, and then I think you could probably throw Jose Reyes in there, too. It would have been fourth because my grandfather was a Met fan. I watched every game, watched Reyes. And that's why he was taking like 50 bags and doing crazy stuff. It, it was it was different. Who's who is the coolest player? Like even now, like who's the coolest person you did get to meet? You say you haven't met Jeter. So who's the who is there a person that you uh, met? Is there a person that you met that you were like, I gotta take a minute? This is crazy. Oh man. Um there was a couple of the the craziest was Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> Excuse me, my bad. Andrew McCutcheon meet him this year. Yeah, it was like, oh teammate. shoot. Yeah, this different. is my teammate, Andrew McCutcheon, but I grew up watching this dude. Yeah. Like I watched his MVP seasons, like everybody was trying to hit like Kutch. He was super fast. Um, that was a moment. And then um, another moment, there was a couple of them. But I'll say, mm, I, re- I remember meeting Carlos Delgado, too, for the first time. And I had first signed. He was a baseball assistant. Carlos yeah. Delgado and Tim Raines. And I was mm. like, oh, shoot, this is sick. And I got to meet them both around the same time. Tim Raines is a super funny dude, too. So it was great to have him around, have him, like, teach me things. And then Delgado, watching those guys was sick growing up. So when I met him, I was like, oh, crap. This is... And then also, too, I think Jose Batista was another one. Oh, yeah. When I first met Jose Batista, he was in his prime. I was like, wow, this is sick. Yeah, super cool dude. Super cool dude. It was like, tell it, took me on this wing a little bit, dropped a whole bunch of knowledge on me when I go to the big league camp games. It was, it was sick. That's dope. That's dope. All right, let me ask this. If you could face any pitcher mm-hmm. throughout history, so any pitcher living or dead, who do you step in the box with? Who do you face and why? It's going to be a crazy answer. But I'm going to pick Satchel Page. Yeah. I, I want to face I like Satchel it. Page. I like there's no there's no video on him, and there's only stories about the yeah. pitches he threw and him making up names for his balls. So I would I would, so I would love to see – like what what the pitches look like, how it, how it moved, everything like that, how hard he threw, and what type of deliveries he had, and everything. That'd be a crazy one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I we get a lot of we get some satchel page. We get a lot of Bob Gibson. Everybody wants to try Bob Gibson out for some reason. We got a couple because <laughs> right, of MLB the show. Yeah, we got a couple Randy Johnsons because their people are crazy. They were like, uh-huh. I was like, Bob Gibson and Randy Johnson are crazy. <laughs> like, why would you want to say? I don't even know why you face yeah. those guys. I might not survive that Randy Johnson at bat, so we'll skip that one. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, look, we're, we're going we're gonna to get you out of here on a couple things, um, simply because we one of the things that I enjoy, especially talking to people that, that are from the culture, know the culture, being brought up in the culture, they also understand the unique challenges that, especially black and brown kids, especially in places like where, where you grew up, like you said, that even the teams and the fields that you were playing on aren't, aren't there in a lot of places. Um, and overall, you know, basketball and, and, and football in many ways dominate our culture. Like just what's, what's the, you know, the things that's the hottest things to do. When you look at it from the position that you're in, obviously going through all the ringers that you've gone through now, making it to, to those top levels and you look back, what do you think should be done to get more kids, especially kids 
black and brown kids, uh, inner city kids, kids, you know, just kids that get more involved in the game and, and have it be as cool as it was for you growing up? Um, number one, I think they should. I love the that they're letting guys be themselves more in the game to make the game cooler to let the kids play situation. Um, that was one thing that I struggled with going like when I first went to college, just the way I played the game. And New York City is different. Like you hit a you hit a home run, you pimp it, you hit a double, like ah, there's action, there's stuff going on, and we enjoy every moment. And then going to use colleges at first, everybody's kind of drawn off, like, oh, is this guy trying to show me up? Is he trying to disrespect me? And I was just literally just trying to enjoy the game. Like I thought everybody played the game like that. Like you just played right. the game with your heart, you enjoy what you was doing. So that was one thing. Um the second thing though that I that I would fall back on is growing up there was a lot of black guy, players on my team when i was growing up but when i got to about 14 15 they started leaving for basketball and football and i never really understood why the kids loved the game of baseball like mm -hmm. it was part of our team they loved it but i never really understood why and as i got older talking to the same dudes like football and basketball if you're good you don't have to pay for anything mm -hmm. baseball the better you get the older you get it becomes more expensive which didn't make any sense like my teams, it was around the beginning of the perfect game era. And I'm not throwing any shots at anybody, but like oh, everybody's like, oh, you got to go to Fort Myers for a perfect game. You got to go to Jupiter for a perfect game. And it costs X, X amount of thousand dollars. <laughs> who's who's playing like, for that? Yeah. Bro. You're not paying our, for me to get team, there in the uniform. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Our team, like it cost our team on the year, like seven, or it was like 550 bucks for the whole season for tournaments, mm -hmm. everything included. And a lot of the guys on our team, their family members and everything were scrambling to try to get that extra 550 that they could give to the kids to play baseball because they have other siblings they got to take care of, New York City, expensive city. And it was tough. So for those situations, we didn't get to go to any of those major tournaments. And in football, the guys was like, you know, I'm just going to go play football. I'm going to get flown out to all the best tournaments, the Adidas tournament, the Nike tournament, this tournament, that tournament. It's all free. And it's a free opportunity, a free platform that you can take advantage of. And it was it, it was unfortunate because a lot of guys just, they got priced out of the game if they wanted to go to a top university. And with Sayo and what we were doing in New York City, we was doing everything that we can to make it affordable so that guys didn't get priced out. And we did what we could, but it's almost become like a monopoly now. And if I got little cousins, like if you don't pay fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for a weekend, you ain't playing at the top tournament. Hence, no colleges and no scouts are going to be there to watch you. Now you're unheard of. No, that's that's real. That's a, that's indeed real, and that's a part of the metric that we can look at and change in some ways. There's there's some places now. Uh, I know uh, minority baseball prospect like uh, yeah, they're doing, doing some yeah, uh, they're doing some really great things and and trying to understand the challenges that uh, are faced. But that's I mean you hit it on the head, especially when you talk about how much it costs and how much you have to travel and a lot of family situations are not family situations that can sustain out of town. Like I got people in Virginia that uh, every weekend I'm talking to my, my, you know, my friends and they got kids and it's every weekend they're out of state, out of state, out of state. And I'm like, what is going on? And these kids yeah. are 14 years old, 13 years old. You know what I mean? So yep. you're exactly right. Before we get you out of here, I know we're coming, coming close on time. Talk to me about built different, my man. Talk to me about, Oh, everything you're doing with built different and, and how you, uh, is it, you, you are the founder CEO. It's, it's, Tell me about it. We, we got co-founders as me, my brother, Richie Palacios, mm. um, my boy, Chris Perez and my boy, Justin Lopez. We all came up in New York city. Um, 
We all played baseball in New York City, and we all understood what it took to make it out of New York City. There's not many guys. There's a lot of guys that start, but a lot of the best players never make it, whether it be, unfortunately, they don't have the guidance at home, or they don't have the money in the situations, or the way with all to put it all together so that they can make it, or just have somebody to show them the way, unfortunately, sometimes. So we understood like what it took to make it, and then we also understood what it was like playing, like how we played baseball in New York City versus how everybody else played baseball in New York City. So one of the things you was talking about is like, yo, we, at the time we were, it was kind of shunned to express yourself on the field. It was kind of shunned to like show passion, show emotion and show love for the game. And then also to the things we went through, we, we decided to kind of try to create a movement that and try to best describe the movement and the movement name was built different because we felt like, hey, we were built different than the rest of the people. What it took to get to where we are at and how we decided that we want to play the game and how, how we show our love and our passion was built different. And we came up with that name. We started the movement, and then we dropped some clothing on the side. But um, it's a growing movement that we're just trying to get people. <laughs> I didn't know. Look, I didn't. My research did not tell me about your fat. Look, your fashion <laughs> entrepreneur. That we got. This is a whole other conversation. This is a whole other yeah, conversation. We got to get into. We do a little something. We about to reband and redrop. Right. But um, we just wanted to give hope, inspiration, and um, something for young young kids in the city. Or minority to look up to and say like look I, I may be going through the same like you may be going through the same things that i went through but just trust that there's a community of us going through it together and there's a movement we try to push this thing forward no absolutely that's powerful and needed that it's powerful and needed because there is even if they're not going to ever be at the level that you play the game at especially uh young people and people just seeing and hearing this conversation and your journey well, well i know will help people get through those so the more you can get that message out uh through your organization through sharing your story the better it off it's going to help other folks that's and, a fact and just uh, not to cut you off yeah, but no, like, you can ahead. be built different in everything you do you can be built different in sports you can be built different as a doctor you can be built different in the situations that you grew up in you may have grew up in maybe a broken home or maybe a tough situation but you could choose your own path you could choose what you want to do and you could choose to be built different than your community and everybody else instead of trying to be a product of our community we're going to become something that gives back to the community look we're going to have to leave it there Josh Palacios Pilo man i really really appreciate obviously everything uh, everything you're doing everything you're working on and and obviously what's to come uh, it's exciting, man. It's an exciting time. I know you got a lot going on in the off season. <laughs> look, it, it feels look for a, for a baseball fan. It feels like we're going to be into the the long part of the year. But it's like I know it, it turns around real quick for you. You'll real be like, quick. man, I got I got to <laughs> report when like yep. now. Yeah, weeks the weeks are dropping off already. Man, uh, you do you, you have a World Series prediction before we get out of here? World Series prediction? Ooh, it's a tough one. I don't want to get I'm you in go. trouble. There's a lot of people. Nah, I'm going with Arizona. <laughs> I got, I'm going with Arizona. I got a bunch of homies in Arizona. Moreno, Lourdes, like played with those dudes growing up. Those okay. guys are dogs. So uh, 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 they did some work last night. I think they're going to take it. I think they're going to take it. Well, you look, you heard it here first. I'm going to have to leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you follow. Where, where can everybody follow you, if they, especially if they want to follow your movement, feel different? They want to see all the things that you got going on. Where where, where should they where they should search your information? Yeah, we're mostly active on Instagram. So you can find me at P underscore L-O. And then Build Different, you can just find us at, at Build Different Athletes. We got a lot more coming to drop, so it should be lit. Man, well, we're going to have to leave it there. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. Until next time. Appreciate you having me, Chief. Oh, man, thank you.